This message comes from NPR sponsor Planet Oat. No deep thinking here. Planet Oat oat milk is rich, creamy, and an excellent source of calcium with vitamins A and D. Also, Planet Oat's unsweetened varieties have zero grams of sugar. Visit planetoat.com for more. From NPR and WBEZ Chicago, this is Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, the NPR News Quiz. Hey there, Charlie. Step into my chocolate factory. I'm Billy Wonka, Bill Curtis, and here is your host, coming to you from the bottom of a well he fell into weeks ago and just didn't bother to come out. (laughs) Peter Sagal. Thank you, Bill, and thanks to our fake audience, which this week is just Jerry Falwell Jr. watching his wife studying figures with their business associate. We are very glad to be with you all after our very relaxing break, which we spent staring at the walls until our jobs started up again. Later on, we're going to be talking to SNL cast member Cecily Strong, who's better at pretending to be Donald Trump's wife than Donald Trump's wife is. But first... It's your turn to impersonate somebody who cares about winning a voicemail message. Give us a call. The number is one triple eight. Wait, wait. That's one eight 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 nine two four eight nine two four. Hi, you're on. Wait, wait. Don't tell me. Hi, I'm Martin from Asheville, North Carolina. I love Asheville, North Carolina. One of my favorite places. And uh, unlike a lot of people who live in Asheville, you sound like you're from there. Uh, I'm not actually, but um, I kind of went around the world and then ended up here. Your uh, quarantine is going okay. Uh, yeah, you know, you say you don't have any kind of audience members, but actually my dog is here listening, so... Well, there you go. (laughs) He's very excited. (laughs) Well, yes, so are we. We haven't had anybody listening. This is great. Well, let me introduce you to our panel this week. First up, it's a writer and comedian who hosts the climate justice podcast Mothers of Invention on PRX. It's Maeve Higgins. Hi. Hi. How are you? Next up, a comedian whose podcast, Who's Paying Attention, is on the All Things Comedy Network. It's Alonzo Bowden. Hello, sir. I, too, am a fan of Asheville, North Carolina. Glad to have you on. I've, I've looked you up, Alonzo, and I really like, you know, you seem really good to me. <laughs> <laughs> and a correspondent for CBS Sunday Morning and author of the New York Times bestselling Mobituaries, Great Lives Worth Reliving, it's Mo Rocca. Hi, Martin. Hi, Mo. Well, welcome to the show, Martin. You're going to play Who's Bill this time. Bill Curtis is going to read you three quotations from this week's news. If you can correctly identify or explain two of them, you'll win our prize. Any voice from our show you might choose in your voicemail. Are you ready to play? I am ready. Your first quote is a well-crafted rally cry from an event very much in the news this week. Make America great again. Again. That was Vice President Pence speaking at what? A Republican National Convention. That's exactly right. The quadrennial conventions are a place for the parties to fool the public about who the candidates are. The Democrats last week depicted Joe Biden to be a youthful, vibrant guy who's been just that way since World War I. The Republicans depicted President Trump as a kind, gentle, compassionate leader who cares about the little guy and minorities. They were so successful at it that President Trump called himself a loser. And I and I just have to say justice for Tiffany. She was the only one of the grown up children that wasn't featured during the network hour. 
Like she was relegated to an earlier hour and it's just not fair. She's like the member of the cast that never gets invited to cast reunions later. Yeah, I know. <laughs> she had also this line in the speech where I just, where I don't know if anyone heard this, where she said at one point, a vote for my father, Donald Trump. Like she said it like, <laughs> like people needed to, like when she calls her father, she goes, hi dad, it's, it's Tiffany, your daughter. <laughs> What's weird is that Half the principal speakers at the convention were named Trump. And then there was Kimberly Guilfoyle, who was only not named Trump because Donald Jr. won't put a ring on it. Kimberly, come on. You know he's not going to buy the cow if you're giving him the cocaine for free. <laughs> I was like wishing she wasn't a Guilfoyle. You know that her dad is Irish. And oh, so... I'm, I'm so sorry. No, it's okay, but it's such an Irish name. I was like, oh, no, that's a giveaway. And then they interviewed all of her cousins back in Ireland, and they were like, what was she doing roaring and shouting on the telly? Well, it was like her audition for a regional production of Evita. <laughs> really? Right? Was true. She, she even did the Evita hands at one point. <laughs> she did. They were up in the air. She was like, she was calling, either, she either doing Evita or calling a touchdown. It was hard to say. Who knows? And, and I have to say, Melania, oddly, has become very popular here in California because we are suffering from drought, and we were like, that's it. Replant the garden with no flowers. That's how we'll save water. Yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. Be well, I did, notice, I did notice that there was a, a reaction shot of the crowd at one point, and there was only one person, a woman wearing a mask, only one person, and then suddenly she vanished, and I thought they turned her into mulch for that new they garden. They did. They did. <laughs> All right. Very good. Here is your next quote. It's someone who had to resign this week as head of Liberty University. I haven't done anything. That's technically true. He didn't do anything. He watched someone else do something. Who is it? Oh, it's Jerry Falwell Jr., I believe. Yes, it is Jerry Falwell Jr. After years of rumors about the evangelical leader's private life, the other shoe finally dropped this week, along with his pants. It turns out that Falwell and his wife had a relationship with this handsome young man they met when he was a pool attendant in Miami. People said all of this was the height of hypocrisy for an evangelical leader, but come on, this is biblical, you know. Do unto others as you would like others to do unto your wife while you are watching. <laughs> well, first of all, the name of the pool boy is Giancarlo Granda. Yes, indeed. I mean, I mean, that's kind of a great, I mean, if your given name is also your porn name, that's pretty amazing. That's true. Yeah, I mean, he <laughs> doesn't have to change it. And there were also two other people involved in this, right? There was a previous pool boy, I think, named Gordon oh. Bellow. And then there was also a trainer named, I followed this story. Right? Apparently, Mo, tell yeah. us all. There was a trainer Mo. named Benjamin Crosswhite. I mean, really, it, it, I, I have the advanced calendar, so I know which nine are coming up in this scandal. <laughs> On some level, you do have to admire this guy for being able to perform with Jerry Falwell Jr. in the room. I mean, that is, yeah, that, that's, yeah, that requires that's, something you, that's something you imagine when you have to stop. <laughs> that's it's, it's, it's another version of dead rats, dead rats, dead rats. <laughs> uh, here we go, Martin. Now, your last quote is from a spokesman for KFC. That thing we always say, ignore it. So KFC, that's of course the fast food fried chicken franchise, they say in the light of the pandemic, they're no longer going to use what famous slogan? Finger licking good. That's right, Martin. Congratulations. If you think about it, and they did, 
finger licking is just not a good idea to do in the middle of the COVID pandemic. It's the same reason why Tic Tac Breath Mints dropped their slogan, Eat One, Then French Kiss a Complete Stranger. <laughs> it's strange, though, after all these years of them using that slogan, we never knew they meant lick other people's fingers. Well, that's what I was going to say. I mean, they do understand you're licking your own fingers, we would hope. Yes. That you yes. don't just, wow, <laughs> this chicken's so good, I'm just going table to table, making friends. <laughs> I, I prefer to watch other people lick their fingers. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, Reverend Falwell. Um, now, KFC says they will drop the slogan from ads and remove it from their packaging, leading to a lot of confusion. People will buy buckets of their fried chicken and say, wait, but how good is this? Is it lip-smacking good? Tummy-rubbing good? I just don't know. <laughs> And also, people will have hands covered in chicken grease and not know right. what to do. That's true. Think mm -hmm. of the grease stains on everything. You know, it'd be weird though if this weird small publicity change actually ends the pandemic. Turns out it was finger licking the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> Bill, how did Martin do in our quiz? Very well. Got him all right, uh, and he did it with a wonderful accent. Well, I feel very fortunate to have been on the show, and I'm a big fan. So, thank you, Martin. Did your dog enjoy it? Uh, I don't know. He's just lying on the couch. <laughs> All right. We'll just assume he's a quiet fan. Thank you so much, Martin. Bye-bye. Thanks, Martin. Thank you. Right now, panel, some questions for you guys from the week's news. Maeve, we're asking you to play a new game that we're calling... What's new with German nudists? So, Maeve, in this edition of What's New with German Nudists, people enjoying a, a park in Berlin, Germany, were surprised when a naked man ran through the park doing what? Oh, I mean, I've seen German nudists, and you know what they love to do is put moisturizer on one another. Really? So was he, was he putting moisturizer on somebody else? No, he was not putting moisturizer on somebody else. Um, he was just chasing his dreams. <laughs> a German nudist was chasing his dreams in Berlin. Not that quite. That just sounds like an album name. It's hard to hint to. Do either of you gentlemen know this? Did you catch this story? No idea. I will uh, give it to you. He was chasing the wild boar that had stolen his laptop. <laughs> it happened in a park in Berlin where people often sunbathe nude. It's Germany. They do that. But it was unusual that a boar and her two piglets grabbed a backpack that just happened to contain this old naked guy's laptop and they took off running. And the man got up to chase after them into the trees, <sighs> running past, and this is key, someone with their camera out. I guess, like, the boar needed to communicate or needed hey, man. to get online for boars, some reason. Boars need to get on Instagram as well. I mean, you know, come on now. That sounds like the story you would tell while you were doing something else. You know, officer, you're not going to believe it. A boar <laughs> stole my laptop. I was chasing him into the woods. I didn't even know those women were there. Yeah, I believe I believe that's what Jerry Falwell tried when he was first caught. God, it just sounds I so heard dangerous. the squealing and I couldn't help looking. Yeah. Now, the, it's happy ending. The man got his laptop back. Plus, he got the phone numbers of three guys who admired his Weltanschauung. Did you just say happy ending? Ugh. It all just... <laughs> It all sounds so dangerous also. The idea of running mm. naked. Like, I just wouldn't want to be anywhere in the brush. Like, ugh, it just <laughs> yeah. feels like you could get hurt. That's true. And also, yeah. Berlin is such an urban... I mean, it's a, it's literally a city. I can't believe that there's boars there and there's space for nudists there. Thank God they got rid of the barbed wire. Ugh. Oh, yes. <laughs> 
Coming up, our panelists are warned not to use our Bluff the Listener game for their homework. Call one wait wait to play We'll be back in a minute with more of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me from NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment on board and on shore. And every Viking voyage is all-inclusive with no children and no casinos. Discover more at Viking.com. This message comes from NPR sponsor, the official Hacks podcast from Max. Join the creators and showrunners of Hacks as they discuss each episode and speak with the cast and crew about the making of the series. Listen to the official Hacks podcast wherever you get your podcasts. From NPR and WBEZ Chicago, this is Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, the NPR News Quiz. I'm Bill Curtis. We are playing this week with Maeve Higgins, Alonzo Bowden, and Mo Rocca. And here again is your host... A man who just finished knitting a 1,200-foot scarf. Peter Sagal. Thank you, Bill. Right now it is time for the Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me Bluff the Listener game. Call one wait wait to play our game on the air. Hi, you're on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Hi, Peter. This is Jesse uh, calling from Richmond, Virginia. Uh, Richmond. Things have been interesting there of late. What do you do there in Richmond? I'm, I'm biding my time until I can go back to doing what I love, bartending in uh, Brooklyn. Oh, you're a Brooklyn bartender. Are you part of like what they call cocktail culture or are you just like to hell with that? You're just going to mix a drink. No, no. I'm part of like the the generous poor uh, community and the, the beer and a shot. Um, yeah, group. I that's that's I love I just want to say I support your community and everything you're doing. Thank you. Jesse, it is nice to have you with us. You're going to play the game in which you must try to tell truth from fiction. Bill, what is Jesse's topic? You can't trust Wikipedia. Wikipedia is the amazing website where you can learn about everything from the history of the Suez Canal to how Margaret Thatcher was the sixth Spice Girl. Our panelists are going to tell you about a surprising problem with the online encyclopedia that was revealed just this last week. Pick the one who's telling the truth, and you'll win the wait waiter of your choice on your voicemail. Are you ready to play? Yeah. All right, let's do it then. Let's first hear from Maeve Higgins. Ever heard of Scotland? I certainly hadn't. But apparently it's a pretty little place you can only reach through time travel and shortbread cookies. This week we learned that Scottish Wikipedia, which is supposed to be in the Scots language, was actually just written by an American in a fake Scottish accent. Isn't it shocking that an American can both speak and write in another language? That's what made this story difficult for me to believe. The Scots Wikipedia has more than 23,000 articles written by an American in what Scottish people are calling a fake Scottish accent. For example, the page for the movie Million Dollar Baby says, quote, The film is about an underappreciated boxing trainer, which, while true, is not Scots at all. One Scottish person who goes by the name of Miles Bartke put it like this, well, I do declare, if that's not a fake Scottish accent, I'll eat my cowboy hat. Actually, just reading that now, maybe Miles is the fake Scottish person. The only way to know for sure who is truly Scottish is to do the marshmallow test. This is a very famous test that was developed at a high-end science university. Ask a person to say marshmallow, and if they're American, they'll say marshmallow. But if they're truly Scottish, they'll say marshmallow in a wee cult. 
And lo, the marshmallow, usually male, will appear before you in a wee kilt. <laughs> the Scots Wikipedia page, instead of being in the Scots language, is in a fake Scots accent written by an American. Your next story of some suspicious sourcing on Wikipedia comes from Alonzo Bowden. What's the most basic thing you know about motorcycles? They have two wheels. Unless you checked Wikipedia on Monday of last week, as well as multiple times since then, in which case they had up to three. This all began because of a rider named Alan Lane who rides a customized Harley Davidson with two wheels in the back for extra stability. Alan Lane said he rides a, quote, motorcycle when any normal person would say, that's a tricycle for old people. Alan, a retired dentist, now spends his time editing Wikipedia articles, so it was easy for him to change the main page for motorcycles. Quote, a motorcycle is a motorized vehicle with two or three wheels. That was quickly noticed by people who ride actual motorcycles and change back, but Alan wasn't having it. As of 11.42 a.m. Eastern last Monday, it read, a motorcycle is a motorized vehicle with two wheels or three wheels which frankly is even better, especially when your wife is on the back and she doesn't like it when it leans over. It's gone on since then in what Wikipedians refer to as an edit war, as new updates keep appearing. Quote, a motorcycle has only two wheels, period. Anything more is lame, unquote. Quote, a motorcycle has two, three, or even four wheels because really it's about the rider's free spirit, unquote. A motorcycle has two wheels, all caps, any more wheels make it the moral equivalent of a Nissan Sentra, unquote. Eventually, Wikipedia editors lock the page, so now if you go to the main entry for motorcycles, it just says, never mind. <laughs> a dispute on Wikipedia over how many wheels a motorcycle has. Your last story of Wikipedia gone wild comes from Mo Rocca. Hell hath no fury like a pagan high priestess with an under-trafficked website. Wikipedia.org was launched by Jimmy Wales and Larry Sanger in January 2001, but two years earlier, Wiccan Heather Kornblad registered Wikipedia.org with the grand ambition of creating an online encyclopedia devoted to educating the public about Wicca. Quote, I had assembled an amazing coven of 13 volunteer editors, said Kornblad, we were disambiguating garden gnomes from real live gnomes at least three solstices before Jimmy and Larry even had a domain name. But those two swooped in and flew off with my best talent. At first, Cornblad tried to entice Wales and Sanger to buy her site and incorporate it into theirs. Quote, I sent cookies in the shape of pentagrams. I sent a decorative candle made from ancient Celtic earwax. I even sent a box set of Bewitched to say, hello, I've got a sense of humor. But she was rebuffed at every turn, and so she and her remaining witches felt they had no choice but to fire up the cauldron and cast a spell. Eye of Jimmy and tongue of canary, wool of bat and toe of Larry, may their sight crash, make it pass. Those two jerks can fivefold kiss my ass, stroll plain. Double, double toil and trouble, double mint gum makes good bubble. <laughs> All right. So there was a problem with Wikipedia recently. Was it from Maeve, the discovery that the Scots Wikipedia page is not in fact in the Scots language, but is in a fake Scottish accent as put on by an American contributor? From Alonzo Bowden, the motorcycle page gets blown up in a dispute over how many wheels a motorcycle has. Or from Mo Rocca, 
a dispute between Wikipedia and Wikipedia, the all-purpose online encyclopedia for Wiccans. Which of these is the real story about a scandal in open-source knowledge? Oh, man. Um, Wikipedia is a great pun, but I spend a lot of time on uh, the Scottish people Twitter subreddit, and um, I feel like there are too many copycats. It's got to be that one. The Scottish Twitter subreddit, you tell us. All right. Well, based on your predilections, you've chosen Maeve's story of the Scots Wikipedia page. Well, to bring you the correct answer, here's a reliable source who's close to the actual story. Some paragraphs are written in good Scots. <laughs> then there are others where he mangles the language. That was Billy Kay. He's a Scots language expert and the author of <laughs> The Mither Tongue which I'm told is Scots for the mother tongue. Congratulations, Jesse. You got it right. You're into point for Maeve, even though, and I'm amazed to discover this, Mm -hmm. that Maeve cannot do a Scots accent. Is that correct? You heard me. I was Say marshmallow again, like a Scotsman. I mean, I can do my Al Pacino if you want, being Scottish. All right, please do Al Pacino being Scottish. Al Pacino being Scottish as 007. Marshmallow. <laughs> oh, that was. Oh, God, I could I see it. I could see him. I felt that. I could see him. That's right amazing. There. Well, Jesse, back to you. Congratulations. You got it right. You earned the voice of anyone you choose on our show doing whatever accent we're capable of. Out the your voicemail. Baby, it's all yours. <laughs> Thank you so much for playing, Jesse. Marshmallow. Thank you very much. (laughs) (laughs) That was pretty good. This may be the guy who does the Scots Wikipedia page. Thank you so much, Jesse. You're welcome. Bye-bye. And now the game where we while away the hours with even more trivial trivia than we usually trifle with. It's called Not My Job. Cecily Strong grew up here in Chicago and became a star at Second City and Improv Olympic until she left for New York and Saturday Night Live, where she's been a cast member since 2012. She went on to headline the White House Correspondents' Dinner, but I'm sure wherever she went, she always missed Chicago. So we're happy to welcome her back. Cecily Strong, welcome to Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. So I'm actually uh, kind of excited because you grew up in the same town where I live, just outside Chicago. Right. And when you were growing up here, did you like know, like, I'm going to be on Saturday Night Live someday. I'm going to be an Emmy-nominated comedian. No, I think um, those are things I would never even said out loud. I mean, maybe up until I was 12. And then when you're 12, you learn self-doubt. Um. (laughs) And that stays then for the rest of your life, maybe. <laughs> right, right. Uh, you, you actually, when you were performing with Second City, they sent you off on one of those cruises, right? They did. Yeah, yeah. I was on a Norwegian cruise for four months. Four months. Wow. I was on a cruise once, but they let me off after a week. What is it like for four months? It was really exciting for the first couple months, and it was also my first like paying comedy job. Right. And then by the third month, it started to feel like, oh, wait, am I being held prisoner. <laughs> Cecily, did you have any romance on the high seas? Um, no, I I didn't. <laughs> and you know what? If I did have romance on the high seas, I think I'd be a, a troubled person today. It would, or more troubled. It the would, way you said no so quickly was like your lawyer had told you to say no, like you had been accused of something on that boat. <laughs> <laughs> I'm being deposed. Yeah. No, not no, at sir. all. No matter what he says, no matter what those three guys say, I didn't do anything to them. I feel like all of these questions are to determine if we're going to co-sign Cecily's lease. 
<laughs> so you're doing comedy in Chicago, and then one day, presumably, you get that call from New York that Lauren Michaels wants you to come audition. Every, I'm told that everybody is asked to do a character. Did you do any of the one of the characters we've now seen you do in the show when you went in for the audition? Um, I don't think so. I mean, all my characters were like 10 seconds long. Aren't we going to talk to Cecily about you-know-who? About Melania? No. <laughs> that the internet exploded this week because of Kimberly Guilfoyle. Oh. Everyone's saying that Cecily Strong has to be Kimberly oh, Guilfoyle. Oh, right. I, I, of course, that's natural. Have you been getting those calls? We talked about Ms. Guilfoyle earlier on in her big shouty performance at the RNC. And apparently, right. as Mo says, everybody's like, oh. I'll tell you what. I've never been more flattered to feel like, okay, I've really, I've got the brand now of like a lunatic brunette maniac. Yeah, that, you, you own that niche, I'll say that. Yeah. Yes. But is that, it going to be, is it going to be hard, Cecily, for you to differentiate between Janine Pirro and Kimberly Guilfoyle? Because this, I mean, this is a big deal. Like Bette Midler, all these people were tweeting like Cecily Strong has to be Kimberly. I feel like I have to yeah. because Bette Midler said it. And uh, when Bette Midler says do something, mm-hmm. you do it. Um, Absolutely. That's a, that's how I got this job. <laughs> Congrats. Cecily, is there someone out there that you kind of hope gets in trouble because you'd really love to play that person? You know, I think like these people find me. Kimberly Guilfoyle, <laughs> I was lucked into my life. You know, they just, it's stuff like that. You never know when it's going to hit, when someone's going to go viral for yelling in a Walmart or something. <laughs> if only more white ladies just like went off, you know? Maybe, th- maybe that's what's behind the, the, the wave. I know. I wish they would. They're just so shy. I wish white women would feel free to yell in public. I have to ask you one last thing, which is you've done fake commercials for Saturday Night Live, but you've done real commercials for Triscuits, right? I have. We were told, though, that they used a hand model. You like had hand doubles for Triscuits? Um, I have, uh, yeah, I think so. Is there something wrong with your hands? Were you were you hurt that they didn't use your own hands holding up the Triscuits? No, listen, honey. When you get to a certain level of fame, you don't <laughs> stay for the hand shots. They do the they do the coverage, and they're like, "We need the hands." You're like, "I'll be in my trailer," and they bring yeah. in the hand double. Me and my hangnails will be in my trailer. <laughs> well. Cecily Strong, we are delighted to talk to you, and we have invited you here today to play a game that this time we're calling Saturday Morning Taped. (laughs) So us olds remember back in the day before Nickelodeon and the Cartoon Network, if you wanted to watch a kid's cartoon, you had to wait until Saturday morning when all three networks, that's right, all three of them would broadcast cartoons. So we're going to ask you three questions about Saturday morning kids' shows from back in the day. Oh, God. If you get two right, you'll win our prize for one of our listeners. <laughs> Bill, who is Cecily Strong playing for? Randy Lee of Portland, Oregon. Here's your first question, Cecily. The idea of making popular toys into kids' TV shows didn't start with the Transformers. Which of these was a real Saturday morning cartoon based on a beloved toy? Was it A, Operation, in which a goofy surgeon removed a different foreign object from people's bodies every week? B, Rubik, the amazing cube, in which a magical Rubik's cube sprouts legs and fights bad guys? Or C, the flying frisbee fun hour, in which an... Sentient Frisbee ends up in an adventure every time somebody throws it badly and it ends up someplace it wasn't supposed to go. I'm going to go with Rubik's, I think. Rubik the Amazing Cube, you're right. Wow. It's really something. You can find at least the trailer for it, the credits for it on YouTube. All right. Second question. 
The Smurfs was a classic Saturday morning cartoon with a whole line of merchandise to go with it, of course, including a breakfast cereal. <laughs> Unfortunately, Smurf Berry Crunch had to change its recipe when parents noted what? A, one of the ingredients was codeine. B, it was turning kids' poop blue. Or oh. C, it could explode when exposed to milk. Oh, well, it's got to be blue poop. You're right. Absolutely, it was blue poop. Parents won't stand for that. <laughs> That's actually what happened. Parents, you know, pediatricians started reporting panicked calls from parents. Uh, so they had to find out what was causing it. And it wasn't the only cereal to turn poop a frightening color, according to the article we read in Smithsonian Magazine, which makes this whole topic officially classy. <laughs> All right, last question. Let's see if you can be perfect. In the 90s, there was a trend for creating animated kids' shows about real comedians, oh. including which of these? A, Camp Candy, in which John Candy runs a children's summer camp that strangely seems to run all year. B, Life with Louie, in which an animated Louie Anderson deals with his father's hilarious abuse about his weight. Or C, Little Rosie, in which Roseanne Barr appears as an obnoxious, grating, and let's face it, probably racist, young version of herself. I was so hoping that one of the choices would be Andrew Dice Claymation. (laughs) (laughs) I watched the Louie show. The Louie one was real, unless I'm... I've lost my mind. Well, you're right. The Louie one was real, but so were the other two. They were all okay, real. Okay. Those were all I was wondering if TV you were shows. throwing that at me. Throwing that blue poop ringer. Yeah. <laughs> I was. You're very clever. Bill, how did Cecily Strong do on our quiz? Cecily, you have joined an elite group that has gotten them all right. You're fantastic. Cecily Strong is an actress and comedian whose work on Saturday Night Live just earned her an Emmy nomination for Outstanding Supporting Actress in a Comedy. Cecily, (laughs) thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much. Thank you, Cecily. Cecily. Take care and good luck at the Emmys. (laughs) Bye. In just a minute, as Kimberly Guilfoyle said, the best is yet to come. It's our listener limerick challenge. Call one wait wait to join us on the air. We'll be back in a minute with more of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me from NPR. Support for NPR and the following message come from State Farm. As a State Farm agent and agency owner, Lakeisha Gaines understands the support small businesses need. Every day we get the privilege of helping people to recover from the unexpected, realize their dreams, and help manage the risk of everyday life. And for small business owners, we help them to think about all the things that are necessary so that they can continue to run their businesses successfully without interruption. As a business owner myself, I first reflect back to the experiences that I have. So we look at their liability. We look at their retirement. We look at the interruption coverage, everything that they need in order to continue to operate efficiently. Talk to your local agent about small business insurance from State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. This message comes from NPR sponsor Progressive Insurance, where drivers who switch could save hundreds on car insurance. Get your quote at Progressive.com today. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. 
From NPR and WBEZ Chicago, this is Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, the NPR News Quiz. I'm Bill Curtis. We're playing this week with Mo Rocca, Maeve Higgins, and Alonzo Bowden. And here again is your host, whose new casual Friday attire is NSFW, Peter Sago. Thank you, Bill. In just a minute, Bill has his annual appointment with his rhymacologist in our listener limerick <laughs> challenge. If you'd like to play... Give us a call at one triple eight wait wait. That's one eight 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 nine two four eight nine two four. Right now, panel, some more questions for you from the week's news. Maeve, according to some new advice uh-huh. we read, what isn't the terrible idea that it's made out to be? Socialism. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, not socialism. It's good. This is something I should say again that younger people have been forced to do during the pandemic and the economic collapse. Oh, be unemployed. Not exactly. I'll give you a hint. <laughs> the author debunks myths while moving back into her old debunk bed. Oh. oh, living in an intergenerational family. You live with your parents, right? Yes, mm. moving in with your parents. If you've recently moved back home, it's fine. No, really, it's fine. In an article in Quartz News that was so long we actually got carpal tunnel syndrome, <laughs> scrolling to the end of it, a writer argues that living with mom and dad doesn't deserve its bad reputation, has serious benefits, like saving money by spending your mom's money instead. Did you say Corpse Magazine? I said Quartz <laughs> News. Quartz, like the crystal. No. So they didn't interview any parents for this No, article. apparently not. The writer, in fact, <laughs> this will be a surprise to you all, currently living at home with her parents. Uh, she explores the importance of multi-generational housing, as you put it, Maeve, and definitely did not write the article to make herself feel better. Not at all. <laughs> I lived with my parents for a few months uh, during lockdown, and it is really lovely. It is, is a it really, really fun thing to do. Oh, yeah, because they just, you know, they like grow tomatoes and they um, talk to you about yourself. It's really hard to find people my age who want to talk about me because mm. they just want to talk about them. So right. it's actually really nice to have older people who are like, how are you, love? And then they actually listen. <laughs> Here's a phrase you'll never hear. Wow, you're 30. So glad to have you back. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Mo, linguistic experts have determined that if you don't want to scare off that person you're texting, you should avoid using what? Ooh, um, an exclamation point. You're close. Think, okay. But you're not. Uh, but well, it is a punctuation mark. Oh, is it a question mark? Does it make it them isn't. feel insecure? No, it Oh, isn't. a semicolon because it makes you seem like a real jerk. No. Like overbearing. Okay, is it, a, is, is it an Oxford comma because it seems sort of snooty? Is it, no, um, think simple. What about those three dots, the, the ellipsis? It's not all of the ellipsis. A period. Yes, indeed, Mo. Periods. Oh. Apparently, young people are becoming more and more, quote, intimidated by periods at the end of texts. Hear that, curmudgeons? You want those kids off your lawn, just show them a little dot. <laughs> Apparently, with texting, people feel you don't need a period at the end of a message because it's obvious that the text is over, so periods aren't necessary. Those 12 emojis at the end, though, totally necessary. Is it that it's a period seems sort of severe and definitive? Yeah, like it's very Germanic. Yes, that's exactly right. Severe, definitive, Germanic, all those things. So the idea is that uh, I want you dead, period, is so much meaner than I want you dead. <laughs> see what I mean? You see what I mean? Yeah, and right. that would eliminate the six more texts that come after the conversation is over because I'm going to step up my use of periods if that will shorten <laughs> a, those conversations. Alonzo, that's a great idea for the po- for the period to be deployed to sort of say, okay, we're done here. I feel we're like, done. Alonzo, you would actually like write out the word period <laughs> to make people stop texting. Oh, I'm, I'm slamming periods at the end of every text. 
Uh, it it just fascinates me because text conversations cannot end. Like some people <laughs> just keep going. This happened with phone conversations too, though. You'd have to get okay. You first. You first. Okay. You hang up first. It's it's not easy. Oh, it is. I always hang up first. I got no problem with it, Mo. You do the like you do the movie <laughs> hang up. You didn't even say goodbye. You say thanks. Click. That's right. <laughs> Coming up, it's lightning fill in the blank, but first it's the game where you have to listen for the rhyme. If you'd like to play on air, call or leave a message at one triple eight. Wait, wait! That's one eight 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 nine two four eight nine two four. You can always click the contact us link on our website, waitwait.npr.org. And if you want more wait wait in your week, head to at wait wait on Twitter, at wait wait NPR on Instagram, and check out the wait wait quiz for your smart speaker. It's out every Wednesday with Bill and I asking you questions. It's just like this radio show, only now we hear everything. Hi, you're on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Hi. Hi, who's this? Um, this is Katie from Washington, D.C. Hey, Katie, how are you? I am about as good as one can be these days. That's the best <laughs> that we can hope for. What do you do there in Washington? I am a policy advisor to a United States senator. Ooh. Goodness. Is that is that Goodness. as exciting and fun as I assume it would be? They have very serious meetings and walk briskly down corridors discussing important things? Um, there, there was some of that, right, um, back in the day, but it's been several months. Um, there has been no hallway brisk walking. Mm. Right. Well, Katie, welcome to our show. Now, you're playing the Listener Limerick Challenge, which means that Bill Curtis is going to read you three news-related limericks with a last word or phrase missing from each. If you can fill in that last word or phrase correctly, and two of the limericks will be a big winner. You ready to play? Sure am. Here is your first limerick. Though camping life can be a mess, I still wear fancy clothes that impress. It might come as a shock, I pitch tents in a frock. I go hiking while wearing a... Dress? Yes, yes dress. Yes, Very yes. good. This week, Outside Magazine published an ode to the adventure dress, a dress you wear while hiking. The magazine praised the dresses for being comfortable and flexible, while Poison Ivy called them a breakthrough in convenience. They're very, they very. sounds very Little House on the Prairie. Very much so. The adventure dress is gaining in popularity. You just pair them with a chunky sunblock and your favorite hiking stilettos, and you're ready for a night out on the trail. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought this was not that big a deal, but apparently it is to have dresses that are made specifically for outdoor adventure. I mean, you know, there will be hiking skirts, even kilts. But don't make a rock climbing kilt. There are some <laughs> things we don't want to see. <laughs> All right, very good. Here is your next limerick. On TikTok, I've seen some reports that say legs look good on and off courts. More guys have now been seen with cute five-inch inseams. So I've cut down the length of my... Shorts. Right. Yes. While women are getting into hiking dresses, men are getting into Daisy Dukes. Apparently, five-and-a-half-inch inseams on shorts make men way hotter finally giving admirers a good look at those hairy thighs. This is all according to the New York Post, so why would they lie? I hope this isn't a trend. I don't need (laughs) the accessory of five-and-a-half-inch shorts. No, we have to, no. Alonzo, I did a story about this, and let me tell you, the reason you want to be wearing shorter shorts is that on men, legs are the last things to go. What? You you did a story about this? I did for CBS Sunday Morning about, about, shorts. about men's shorts and why men should be wearing shorter shorts. 
I mean, I know it sounds a little... So what you're telling me is that what? as men get older, say to my age, and everything yes. else has fallen apart... Everything else, Peter, everything else is falling apart, but your legs will stay intact pretty much until the very end. Really? So if I'm going to go out, I might as well show off the only part of me that does not look like a complete wreck. Exactly. And that's why so often now they have an open casket, but just the bottom half is open. Exactly. Yeah. Get a look at those pins. Sometimes a half a casket, so the legs just stick out the bottom. <laughs> Katie, uh, Katie, here is your last limerick. I'll feign youth with no sarcastic perjury. I saw docs, but without drastic urgency. The pandemic allows lifted cheeks and firmed brows. I took time for some quick... I didn't hear the last word, but I'm pretty sure it's plastic surgery. You're You're right. Plastic surgery. Very good. Plastic surgeons are reporting a backlog of people making appointments, citing that patients, quote, aren't liking what they're seeing on Zoom. So apparently your coworkers aren't actually listening to your presentation. They're trying to figure out if they would like your nose instead. (laughs) Quarantine is also a great time to get surgery because we're not socializing. We can spend however many weeks in isolation waiting for the scars to heal. And when you go out, if you have to go out, you get to wear a mask. Plus, while you're getting the nose job, you can have your doctor seal up your nostrils for extra safety. (laughs) You don't need a nose job if you wear shorter shorts. Because no one will be looking at your <laughs> nose. They'll be yes. going, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, well, I did. I Maybe now is a good time to say I got, I finally got my butt implants that I've been saving. You up did. For. Mm-hmm. And how do you feel? Do you feel better about yourself? Because it's really yeah. what it's about. It's I, so comfy when I sit down now. It's just, woof. woof I thought you were woof. sitting up higher on the screen. I'm so happy. Thank to hear you, that. Mo. $6,000 worth of uh, whoopee cushions that they just inserted into uh, my lower back. <laughs> Bill, how did Katie do on our quiz? Katie did great. She got them all right. Very good Congratulations, score. Congratulations, Katie. <laughs> Thank you. Congratulations, Katie. Take care. Bye, Bye Katie. Bye-bye. Support for this NPR podcast and the following message come from Easy Cater, committed to helping companies solve food. From employee meal plans to on-site staffing to concierge ordering support. With corporate accounts, nationwide restaurant coverage, and payment by invoice. EasyCater.com. This message comes from NPR sponsor Noom. Noom understands that not everyone is starting from the same place and takes that into account. With their first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, you can find a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Now on to our final game, Lightning Fill-in-the-Blank. Each of our players will have 60 seconds in which to answer as many fill-in-the-blank questions as they can. Each correct answer is now worth two points. Bill, can you give us the scores? Mo has three points, Maeve has two, and Alonzo has two. All right. Since nothing matters anymore, I'm going to arbitrarily choose Alonzo to go first. Here we go. The clock will start when I begin your first question, fill-in-the-blank. On Thursday, Category 4 Hurricane Blank made landfall in Louisiana. Laura? Laura, yeah. This week, the FDA gave emergency approval for a cheap blank test. Uh, COVID. Right. In addition to post office delays, voter ID laws, and intimidation of polling sites, Election Day is also being threatened by blank. Police or law enforcement at the polls? Is that... Uh, No, that was the intimidation. It's also going to be threatened by an asteroid that might be in a collision course with Earth. Why not? Why not? Why not? 
After decades of work from doctors and immunologists, Africa has finally been declared free of blank. Ebola? No, polio. Can we start this over? I I don't know what news I've been watching. I've got nothing here. There should be an L.A. handicap. That's true. (laughs) Citing the weather, a blank launch in Florida was delayed for the weekend. A rocket? Yeah. After years of research, scientists have confirmed that blanking cows will help protect them from predators. Milking? No, painting eyes on their butts protects them from predators. <laughs> Livestock in Africa are constantly under threat from hungry lions. Scientists say painting eyes on cows' rear ends make predators think they've been spotted, halting the attack. And if you really want to confuse the lions, researchers say to make sure that one of the eyes is winking. <laughs> Bill, how did Alonzo do in our quiz? Alonzo had three right for six more points. He now has, and enjoy it, eight points and the hey. lead, Alonzo. There you go. That wasn't horrible. Maeve, I, you're up next. Please and I feel like I've got a chance because Alonzo, you really yeah, did bad. You're going to do great, Maeve. I can tell. I can tell. You're going to turn it all around. Here we go, Maeve. In protest of police shootings, Blank boycotted their playoff game against the Orlando Magic. The Wizards? No, it was the Milwaukee Bucks. On Thursday, experts warned that standing blank feet apart may not be enough to protect against coronavirus. And you know that in Europe, we use meters. Yes, Maeve. So I will say 2.3 meters. Which is? Around, I think it's like you double it and you take away 0.6. Okay, fine, I'll give it to you. I assume that's the equivalent of six feet apart. On Sunday, Senior (laughs) Advisor Blank announced she was leaving the White House spending to spend more time fighting with her family. Um, Kellyanne. Good enough. Kellyanne Conway, farmers in a Japanese town worried about monkeys eating their crops, Mm -hmm. are turning to Blank for protection. Oh, the eyes... Putting the eyes on their cows? No, they're turning to three gun-toting grandmas called monkey busters. Last week, the U.S. added an additional one million blank claims in line with expectations. Uh, marriage proposals. No jobless claims. Thanks to a mistake oh. at the bakery, a wedding cake for Mr. and Mrs. Weiser that was supposed to say Weiser Wedding instead said blank. Miser Wedding. Instead, it said, why is there a wedding? <laughs> The couple was hoping to save a bit of money on their wedding cake, but immediately regretted the choice when their planner sent them a picture of what the baker had made, a beautiful white cake with the phrase, Why is there a wedding? Written in green icing, the couple was obviously disappointed, but not nearly as much as the best man who just lost the opening line of his wedding toast. Bill, how did Maeve do on our quiz? Well, you had two right for four more points, and you now have six points, but... You spoke too soon. With eight points, Alonzo still has the lead. Thank you, Maeve. And how many, then, does Mo need to win? None. (laughs) (laughs) Mo only needs three. Oh, my gosh, Mo. This is for the game. Here we go. Fill in the blank. On Monday, a judge ruled that an order forcing blanks to reopen in Florida was unconstitutional. Schools. Right. On Tuesday, the U.N. Security Council rejected the White House's call for sanctions against blank. China. Iran. This week, Moderna Corporation said early testing of their blank showed promise among the elderly. Vaccine. Right. Coronavirus. On Monday, the U.S. Postmaster said that cost-cutting measures at the USPS would not affect the blank. The election. Right. Acting on a tip, police in California were able to arrest a man trying to sell $300,000 worth of black market blanks. Um, Avocados. Black market pistachios. (laughs) According to the Commerce Department, sales of new blanks jumped 13% in July. Of new homes. New homes, right. On Sunday, Lori Laughlin was sentenced to two months for her part in the blank scandal. 
in the whole thing with the, the, the college, the entrance exam. Yeah, thing. the college admission yeah. scandal. Yeah. You worked your way to it. Emergency workers in Nashville had to be called in to rescue country star Kane Brown after he got lost in blank. Oh, um, in the Opryland Hotel, which is rather vast. No, in his own backyard, Mo. Okay. The singer had just moved into a new house and decided to explore his multi-acre backyard with his friends. It wasn't until 30 minutes later they realized they were lost and needed help. Fortunately, emergency workers were able to guide the group back to Brown's house. And the ordeal inspired Brown's new hit, I Walk the Line, but I really should have used Google Maps. <laughs> Bill, I expect that Mo did well enough to win, did he? Well, he got five right for ten more points, which means with 13, he did win. He's the Hey, Mo, congratulations. I feel like, I don't know, this wasn't too tough, this one. In just a minute, we're going to ask our panelists to predict, now that he's out of a job, what will Jerry Falwell Jr. do next? Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me is a production of NPR and WBEZ Chicago in association with Urgent Haircut Productions' Doug Berman, Benevolent Overlord. Philip Godica writes our limericks. Our public address announcer is Paul Friedman. Our house manager is Gianna Capadona. Our intern is Emma Day. Our web guru is Beth Novi. B.J. Litterman composed our theme. Our program is produced by Jennifer Mills, Miles Dornboss, and Lillian King. Peter Gwynn makes holes in teeth. Technical direction is from Lorna White. Our business and ops manager is Colin Miller. Our production manager is Robert Newhouse. Our senior producer is Ian Chillog. The executive producer of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me is Mike McSteamy Danforth. Now, panel, what will Jerry Falwell Jr. do next? Maeve Higgins. All we know is there'll be a second coming. Alonzo Bowden. He'll be the new director of morality at Pornhub. (laughs) And Mo Rocca. He'll be named president of Cal Poly. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if any of that happens, we're going to ask you about it on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. (laughs) Thank you, Bill Curtis. Thanks also to Alonzo Bowden, Maeve Higgins, and Mo Rocca. And thanks to all of you for listening. Hey, guys, it's almost the fall. It's another season of doing this all together. I'm Peter Sagal. We will see you next week. This is NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment on board and on shore. And every Viking voyage is all-inclusive with no children and no casinos. Discover more at Viking.com. This message comes from NPR sponsor Capella University. With Capella's FlexPath Learning Format, you can earn your degree online at your own pace and get support from people who care about your success. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. On NPR's Throughline. We cannot function for 24 hours without COBOL because it's in our smartphone, our tablet, our laptop. And as a consequence, the lives of the people living in that part of the Congo descended into just a catastrophe. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts.